right when you don't know what to do just keep on breathing from the city of angels in los angeles welcome to all my listeners out there in radio land i'm dave the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com along with my lovely co-host carletta cole caregiversafeplace.com and we're also <laughs> coming to you live and on demand 24 7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and the list goes on and on. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one numero uno caregiver podcast on the top 50 of Player FM, and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Debbie Peterson will talk about what was important to her and what she learned as a CNA in a nursing facility, and what was important to her, and what she learned as a CNA in a nursing facility. And she was also her mother's caregiver. But before we get started, I do want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Fatima Bustos Choi. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global video uh, and audio networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Debbie, so nice to have you on the show. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. It's really positive and uplifting, even though I'm not caregiving anymore. (laughs) Well, caregivers need to stay positive, and it's so hard for them to do that. I like to ask my guests, uh, my first time here, uh, just who is Debbie Peterson and why was she placed on this earth? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Yeah, Um, start out deep. You know, whenever I think about that, I always think I want to make it a better place. I want to make it a positive place. So I think... I asked my son that when he was five years old, he said he wanted to stop the bombs. Um, but if you were to ask me, I think I would have said, I, I want to make it a better place. I want to leave it better than I found it. That's great. That's what I always tell my kids, you know. Um, I own a gas station, and so you should see how people leave my restrooms over there. And so whenever I go to a public restroom and I'll see paper on the floor, I pick it up. When I see a dirty mirror, I'll grab a paper towel and I'll clean it up. Because I, there's got to be someone in heaven watching me uh, who's saying, gee, Dave, you know, is, is it uh, integrity is uh, who you are when no one's looking. So I try to do good. I'm a do-gooder, even when nobody's looking. So yeah. so what should we talk about? Um, you're an advocate uh, for caregiving, um, especially when you were a CNA. Uh, tell us how you got into this stuff and what caused you to become a CNA and work at a caregiver place. Did you have, well, was your mother already sick at that point or did that happen later? It was, it, it, in some sense, it was selfish. Of course, it always <laughs> is. If you have a well, I always tell mother. caregivers you need to be selfish in order to survive. Yeah, okay. yeah. so I, I, I'm a real estate broker. That's how I make my living. And I, uh, w- when 2008 hit and we started to see it coming, I was raising my son on my own. And um, I realized 
that I wasn't going to have any income. And his dad, who was also um, in an industry that was related to real estate, wasn't going to have any income. What on earth were we going to do? And I could see that my stepfather with lung cancer, who was 80, and my mother, whose health was starting to decline, she was 10 years younger, that at some point, I really was going to want to know how to look after them. And I've always loved a science. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, I could train to be a caregiver because they'll pay me when I train. I'll get a, I'll be licensed to be a CNA and I can work nights. And that way, my son can stay with his dad at night. I'll work nights and then I can do real estate during the day. <laughs> so wow. If Sounds it comes like up, if I have any business. So that's what I did. I trained and and that way I was trained. I, you know, then I could take care of my mother when the need arose. My stepfather passed away from lung cancer, so I didn't take care of him, but I was able to help my mother interpret some of the things that were happening with him. Well, we're gonna digress for a moment. You said you saw it coming in 2008. So I always said that it's gonna happen again because they really didn't fix anything. They just kept putting band-aids on it. Uh, do you see it happening again and how soon? As far as the recession, as far as the recession real, is concerned, well, uh, the real estate meltdown. Yeah, I don't know about a meltdown, and you know, none of us have a crystal ball. Um, and and I do get clients who who will always say, "Oh, it's coming, it's coming," <laughs> and I, you know, I I don't know, but but I will say, that, and and they're usually accurate. Is is the real estate uh, gurus, the economists? are saying, let's not kid anybody, let's not fool anybody. And this was probably six months ago. We are entering into a recession. Every single one of the markers is there and uh -huh. is clear. So let's be honest. We're sure. heading into a recession. And high interest rates are never good for real estate. No, no, no. Uh, prices are going down. Definitely, definitely the last three properties I've sold since June, they've all taken less than we would have anticipated. You have something to say, Carletta? Well, no, I'm just listening right now. I'm okay. learning a lot. <laughs> but I can tell you that caregivers, um, they really need to know that because a lot of them, they don't have a steady uh, place to stay. So uh, right now will probably be a good time for them to buy versus paying high uh, rent. Although the interest rates are high, they're still getting a discount on the house. So that's kind of makes the wash yeah well it, i guess it goes both ways because if i was going to buy real estate i would wait until prices came down a little bit and and they are coming down because interest rates are going up it's costing more expensive to get a mortgage so uh, but i it's always hard to get a negative response from a real estate agent because you know they don't, they don't want to jinx their business and and that's their livelihood <laughs> and i get it uh you know the glass is always half full with them um so let's well, talk. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a yes and a no to that because um, the other side of real estate is that when it's residential, it's a it's really more of an emotional decision for people. And 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 Carletta's right. Um, you may have high interest rates mean you're going to be paying a lot more. So buying a less expensive house doesn't necessarily. In fact, it doesn't help you. You're going to be paying the same amount for less house right now. So. Um, I, I yes, we are in the sales business. Yes, we have to make a living, but our motivation—not everybody's motivation—is is that. But the thing is, really, people need to buy and sell when they need to buy and sell, unless they're investing, and then it's a different gig. Right. But for the most part, I say to people, do what you need to do when you need to do it, and we'll figure out how to do it best. Well, getting yeah. back to caregiving, 
how do we advocate for our loved one as a caregiver to make sure that we don't, I mean, I, I feel like I failed my wife because the, when she was having a stroke, the, um, the drivers of the ambulance says, well, where should we take her? I said, I don't know. Where, where would you take your wife? She was having a, a stroke. You know, I, I relinquished my responsibility and I let a couple of guys, I don't even know how much money they made, but uh, they, I put my future and my wife's future into these guys' hands that I met like five minutes ago. And it was a bad decision because they took us to the wrong hospital. So how, how do we become a, a good advocate for our loved ones? Well, for me, um, and, and I'm not an expert on that either, but for me, it was it, it, when I did the caregiving, I learned quite a lot. And 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 one thing I learned, one thing was, you, as you said, you really learn about what it is that's wrong with them. And some of us are really good at medical stuff. We get it. We understand it. We're interested in it. We follow it. And some people are absolutely illiterate when it comes to medical stuff. They absolutely don't get it. So it's important to have someone around you that gets it. And um, fortunately for my mother, my aunt and I got it because she was diagnosed with a leukemia that she would have been dead in six months if we hadn't gotten her in immediately. Wow. And they couldn't even get her in to get a port in to give her the medication she needed. Um, it was going to take them five days. And she really didn't have five days. She needed to be seen immediately. And it was my aunt and I who were able to force that issue. So I would say one thing is make sure you have people around you who get it. The other thing I would say is, Watch, watch, watch very carefully what's going on in those hotel rooms, what's going on with the people who are caring for them. Make absolutely certain that they follow all the hygiene rules. What I would find when my mother had leukemia and people had to wash their hands, they had to wear a mask because her immune system was lowered and it would have killed her if they brought anything in. Um, they didn't all the time. It was not expedient. And um, so make sure that they do what they're supposed to do. Ride herd on it. Watch, watch, watch. Yeah, Carletta also cared for her mother for, how long was it, Carletta? Four years. Mm, yeah. Same as me, yeah. So what did, what yeah. did, what did you and learn? The, and, and that... Hello, I think we lost her. Yeah, I'm hearing a little bit in the background. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, having fun, laughing, with and uh, leaving the person in your care with a positive feelings, especially now, did your mother have dementia also? No, you know, that was the interesting thing because I had always had in my head that near the end of her life, it would be her mind that went that, you know, that there would be issues of communication or issues of processing. And um, it wasn't that she, her processing slowed down a tiny bit. Her hearing had, wasn't as good. But um, it was, but she was still incredibly smart. She still usually won when she played bridge games, and that's what she had said to the um, to the nurses and doctors when she went into hospice. The time she was going to be ready to go, and this was the same with my mother in law, was when she couldn't play bridge anymore. That would be when she was ready to go, and because her body had failed her, but she could still play bridge. And so when she could no longer walk down in the facility to play bridge, that would be time to go. And um, so, no, her mind didn't go. It was her body just couldn't do it anymore. So how much did you learn from being a CNA? And how much did you learn just from the College of Hard Knocks by being a caregiver? Um, you recommend both for caregivers? 
Well, I would recommend that caregivers get as much training as they can because when my mother had a colonoscopy, I knew how to change her colonoscopy bag. And that's a that's a hard thing to do. And it's a hard thing to get used Scary to. It's a too. hard thing to handle yeah. um, for for your loved one and for you. And um, but I knew how to do it. It was no big deal. And um, that was incredibly helpful for my mom. And and then uh, when she was, you know, when her last four or five days, when she really was pretty much bedridden, but she did want to get up and once in a while go back and forth to her easy chair. Um, my brother hadn't got a clue. How, you know, how do we get her over there? And I said, oh, we can do that. We can get her into her wheelchair. Let me show. Let me tell you how to transfer her. So I could, I knew how to transfer her and we could do that in a way that was safe and comfortable for her. Um, and, and then same thing with when she, we had a caregiver come and bathe her, we had some people coming in and, um, uh, you know, I knew how to help with that. I knew how to turn her. I knew how to, how to assist. So that's so, so important to have confidence. And I don't know what kind of training is available, but I, I would highly recommend it. It was I think it made a big difference in the family that there was someone there who knew what they were doing, that they could trust. So I could, I was the one who could give her the medication and talk with the, the nurses and the caregivers who came yeah. in from time to time. Well, what advice would you give to those that are hard to communicate with, like stroke victim, like my wife or dementia, you know, uh, after a while, dementia patients just kind of zone out. What do you recommend? You know what? I absolutely loved what you, I heard one of your previous podcasts where you talked about your wife could just communicate so well with, it was. <laughs> Pictionary and charades. Of, yeah, charades. Wow, that's so cool. I can't do that. <laughs> I know, I suck at it. So I was just like. <laughs> yeah, that's so neat. Um, so, but I think the thing that I learned from, I have a communications degree and, and I've always said that people can communicate a whole lot of different ways. There's not just this kind of communication. I know it's eighty percent or uh, seventy-five is nonverbal communication, right? And so when I was in the caregiving facility, we would get to know about people's lives. We had one woman who had been a, a beloved English teacher at a local high school, and she was completely paralyzed. And everybody thought of her as a vegetable. And it, you know, my my message is: people are not vegetables. Mm -hmm. People are human beings. And so I would go in and I would would talk with her about being a teacher and she would look at me and tears would start to run down her face. And I would tell her how I knew that people had loved her. She had meant so much to her students. She'd made such a contribution and we we're so grateful to her. And then we would have music at Christmas time and she would sit in her wheelchair and cry. So she was not a vegetable and she deserved to be appreciated and 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 to have stimulation to have human contact mm. um and we had another woman who was even more um unable she couldn't even move out of her bed at least the previous one could get into could be moved into a wheelchair and um but she loved to eat she loved her food and um everybody knew she loved her food and i found and she out wasn't she overweight was, Oh, she was a little bit overweight, but she wasn't hugely overweight. But um, she um, she had owned a deli, and it was a really ah. well-known deli in town. And so one day I went in and I started talking to her about it, and I told her about how I'd been involved in the food business and 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 how I'd heard how brilliant she was, and now I understood why she liked her food so much. And her eyes, she I, she was talking to me with her eyes, and she 
She was with it. She knew what I was saying. She knew we were having a conversation. And I could see her just pleading to me with her eyes. And they are the windows to the soul, aren't they? Yes. And she was there. She was there. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got to remember that um, that people are there. They communicate different ways. And, and sometimes it's just a touch. But conversation's important. Yeah. And how do we know if they're in pain or what can we do to maybe ease that pain? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert, but I, I can, I, the reason I mentioned that to you when, before the show was that, um, I remember when there was someone who came in to bathe my mother, they were in a hurry and they were turning her too quickly. And she was going, Oh, Oh. And, you know, I know my mother and she wasn't going, Oh, Oh, because she was an old lady and she was a pain. (laughs) She was doing it because they were hurting her because she had, a terrible, she had a, a really bad back and they were hurting her Right. and they were working too quickly and they weren't allowing her to get used to the positioning. And so I, that's why I said, you know, pay attention, pay attention. And if you're getting indications that someone's in pain, again, they're not a vegetable. They're a human being. Yeah. And be careful how hard you grab them too, because, oh yeah, you know, you're not, you got to treat them like a two-year-old. I think people are very delicate. And I remember being just mortified. We had a darling little lady who was absolutely with it, but had to be in a wheelchair. And I remember I pushed her under a table and it caught her arm and ripped her skin. Oh. And I, w- it didn't hurt her at all. She, you know, she was just, she was fine. She didn't care, but I was mortified because here I was supposed to be caring for this woman and <laughs> I caused her to bleed. And, you know, it was terrible. We never are supposed to do that. And um, so, yeah, you're right. They're very delicate. So you, you, uh, we talked about sitting with them, doing what they want to do. You know, with my mother, she had dementia and, um, there aren't too many options, but I would bring, uh, headphones and the, the swing music that she grew up with, you know, and, and was married to and all of that stuff. And she just came to life, you know, she, we were singing the songs together. I'd bring photo albums over and, and, uh, you know, this isn't just babysitting. This isn't just, you know, responsibility. I mean, you can really bond with these people and, and you can be the joy of their life, you know, the joy of their day. If you just, uh, you know, think about it and you're the one who's going to get the joy because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. You know, um, I've been uh, working on writing a, a blog about that for, for a national magazine. And, and I'm just reading about that, that, that it is the, the giver who gets more happiness out of giving in most cases, especially it's interesting when they're over 40. <laughs> so most of us are these days and and I, who are doing the caregiving. And um, I used to, every before I would go into work at the caregiving facility and always with my mother, I would think, okay, can, how can I bring this person joy today? And they all had different things. One of them was a Oh, he'd been in the army and been all over the place. And I, I used to take him out in his wheelchair and run him around, t- you know, run him around the sidewalks up and down That's fast. Funny. And, oh, he would laugh and giggle. He thought it was hysterical. Yeah. One time I brought we do that with two-year-olds and, too, right? Yeah. And, and, and it was wild and crazy, but I knew he would like that. And he did. He'd laugh and laugh. One time I brought my dog in and the dog put her little paws up on the bed and was looking at him. And I was horrified. And he was so amused that I was so horrified that the dog was doing this. I thought it was so funny. And, um, and I brought my son in and when dogs and children, their faces just light up. 
So there's a lot. I And some I knew it was certain foods. Some I knew it was just sitting and doing pr- the projects they wanted to do. But as you say, just figure out how to make it fun. Yeah. Because well, there's wish- always or, or comfortable, something to make them happy. Well, if I ever needed a caregiver, I think you're the one I would choose because you sound like a great caregiver. Anything else you want to say to our audience? We've run out of time and uh, something that you think uh, think, parting words. I think we covered it. And thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. You know, I, I really, this isn't my gig. (laughs) Really. I'm an author now and, and, um, working with people in local government and trying to help them to advocate for what they need. And I'm certainly happy to advocate for help people who are caregivers to advocate and encourage them to do that. But um, well, here's a question for your expertise, you know, in Hawaii, they're passing laws that uh, give a caregiver $2,500, whether you have a job, regardless of what uh, income you make to help with the respite so that you can get rest. Um, When you were uh, on city council or the mayor, um, did anyone ever think about passing laws for caregivers to make their life a little better? And do you think it's it's more fashionable now to become within the realm of possibility that this might be happening in the, in the near future as a politician? Uh, never heard of it. I think it's fabulous thought. And I know in Hawaii, they also have I have a condo there and they have a, they also have something about um, allowing people to age at home. And they're very strict yes. on that. And they, they have a word for it, kapuna. Kapuna. I yeah. didn't know that. Thank you. Yes. I'm just writing that down. A senior, um, it's a caregiver, it's an elderly, you know. Well, Hawaiians have a really different thing, a different way of being. And um, they absolutely get everything we've been talking about today, yeah. the culture. Yeah, I've spoken all over Hawaii uh, at the library system, at uh, the Hawaii Pacific Gerontological Society. and the University of Hawaii. So I love that place. I do too. I when, love the I love the Hawaiians. Have you been back since COVID or no? Yeah, I've been there several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go there as much as I can. Um <laughs> I love it there. Yeah. I go to Acapulco now instead of Hawaii because it's just Yeah, I saw that. You take yeah. the caregivers to Acapulco. Yes. That sounds fun. I haven't been fun. there. It is fun. I might have to pretend to be a caregiver so I can come. <laughs> you never know. You could become a caregiver tomorrow, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. You just don't ever know. Could happen. I mean, you could have a neighbor who's just bending over, picking up his papers. Hey, let me get that for you. Next thing you know, you're in there making him breakfast. Next thing you know, you're reaching for things on top shelves. Next thing you know, you're taking him to a doctor appointments. You're a caregiver. <laughs> and you didn't even know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. That's well, true. how can people get a hold of you for any reason to answer caregiver questions or nursing questions or political questions or somebody wants to be a mayor of their small community? You can give them instructions on how to do that. Well, I would say um, you can come to my website and there are connections for anything you want. The books I've written or or how to get in touch with me. All of that is there. Um I have a podcast as well, and it is Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N.com, DebbiePeterson.com, and you'll find everything there. You can connect there. It's really simple. Mm. Um, I do have to say, I, I don't have my certified nursing assistant license anymore, so I'm absolutely not qualified to give any kind of nursing advice. <laughs> and I'm no longer in local politics, uh, but I, what I am doing is encouraging people to become involved because our government belongs to us. So I'd love to hear what you're talking about in Hawaii. So if you can go to DebbiePeterson.com and and uh, 
uh, read about why I say become involved in local government. Um, and I have, I even have an online course about how to do it, but it's all there at DebbiePeterson.com. Yeah. yeah, I think they call it the Kapuna Bill. K-A-P-U-N-A. I mistaken. love it. I love it. I'd love to see us do that more. Um, it would be a good thing, a very good thing. So are you involved in um, Santa Barbara real estate? Uh, no, we're about 90 miles north of Santa Barbara, where I am. I'm in Grover Beach, California. Okay. So I'm involved in San Luis Obispo County real estate. And is that more expensive than Santa Barbara? It's one of the most expensive in the country, but it's not as expensive as Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You were a great guest. And uh, I just want to let everyone know that all of our recorded podcasts become, um, I should say, all of our live podcasts become recorded podcasts and uh, are on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, as well as the 26 audio and video, video platforms that I mentioned earlier. Um, my new book just came out, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times is spreading wisdom all over the world. It's available wherever books are sold and also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And join our caregiver Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers where you'll learn all about my new Acapulco Villa caregiver wellness retreat and vacation I offer to burned out caregivers. We're just trying to keep as many of those 30% of caregivers who seem to die before their loved ones do, trying to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. So again, thank you so much for making us the number one caregiver show and listening every Wednesday. So until next week, same time, same channel. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Dave Nassani, otherwise known as Caregiver Dave. And I'm coming to you live from this beautiful Acapulco Villa, which I like to say is the perfect prescription for caregiver burnout. And I have a unique opportunity to bring 14 burned out caregivers up here so that they can decompress and do all the things that they need to do. But this is just a bonus. It actually comes with the six month Zoom coaching program. It's a one-on-one -on -one consult with me, Caregiver Dave, to identify where you are and where you need to go. It's a six monthly small group coaching sessions to smash any obstacles between you and your ideal vision of what a caregiver needs to be and caregiver success. You get my three free books and instructions on boundaries, grief, self-care, organization, asking for help, learning how to say no, avoiding burnout, avoiding depression, avoiding perfectionism, avoiding isolation, avoiding resentment, delegation, team building, how to have fun, how to have no guilt, the importance of gratitude, and after caregiving, when you're no longer a caregiver. But this seven day bonus is absolutely free. It comes with the coaching program that you pay for. And the food is all inclusive. I'm telling you, seven days and seven nights here is amazing. This is truly paradise. And I highly recommend it. For more information, go to caregiverdave.com. That's gonna send you to my other website, and if you want a shortcut to get there immediately, just go to acapocodave.com. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you in Acapulco. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.